Welcome to episode four of the Next One Up podcast. Today, we are doing a little bit of a deep dive into baseball. We're going to have a great guest on later, Alexa Shirelli. She works in youth development for MLB and MLBPA. We have a great interview with her coming later. Um, But we're going to talk about some current events in baseball and get into the meat of the topic for today, which is reality checks, talking about the not-so-glamorous side of sports and the sacrifices that we've had to make along our sports journey. So to start off our topics, we're going to talk about what is going on with the Yankees? There is some some clear bias in our voice, considering we are big New York uh, sports fans. Okay, but I'm a Mets fan, but you know she's a Mets fan. I'm a Yankees fan, but we definitely care about but how I love New York's doing. <laughs> she loves Aaron Judge. Yeah, that's her. That's her one caveat. She likes him. I'm a Yankees fan. Carly's a Mets fan. Um, so we're gonna talk about our, you know, our hometown a little bit, our home city. Yeah, but let's kind of break down what's going on with the Yankees right now. So their record currently, as of Tuesday, is 9-13. and 13. They are last in the AL East. It's their worst start since 1997. I mean, this is shocking because we know the Yankees is such a successful team. You know, if this was the Orioles or something, no offense to the Orioles, but we wouldn't be as surprised. We wouldn't be talking about it like this. It's the Yankees, you know? I don't think people saw this coming. I was so excited for the season. I was like, this is it. I'm so excited. Yeah, so when we talk about the Yankees, they're built to win one way, and that's hitting home runs. So when they don't, they get into some trouble. And on the flip side, they are a bottom 10 defensive team. So if they're not hitting home runs, they're also not defending well. Over the previous three seasons, the Yankees hit at least 20% more homers off of fastballs than every other team in the league. Opponents are picking up on this. New York this year is seeing a significant lower percentage of fastballs. So um, we have a quote from Brian Cashman. He said that the lack of offensive production is magnifying the Yankees' other deficiencies, and those issues include defense and pitching. Now, For someone like Sarah, who's a Yankees fan, the good news is that the MLB season is a marathon, not a sprint, and they have a lot of time to recover. Yeah, and I think that another – just one exciting headline, I think, for Yankees fans is that Garrett Cole has just been a really fantastic, dominant pitcher lately. And, you know, he's the first pitcher in franchise history to strike out 50 batters and issue no more than five walks in a five-star stretch. So I think that his strikeout to walk dominance has been, you know, one exciting headline for us to watch. But even though Carly said we have time, I think fans are getting a little antsy. So we'll continue to have hope. But for now, I'm going to rely on my Knicks to get some happiness out of New York sports. Knicks are back. Knicks are back. (laughs) Yeah, you heard it here first. (laughs) Knicks are are back, guys. So... With that, we are going to move on to a team on the West Coast, the San Diego Padres, who are keeping it exciting in a stacked NL West. The Padres staged an exciting comeback led by Fernando Tatis during Sunday's matchup against their rival Dodgers after falling behind six runs. Currently, the Padres are third in the NL West with 13 wins, and they sit behind the Dodgers in first and the Giants in second. Yeah, I definitely don't claim to be, you know, a huge Padres fan by any means. You don't? I have no idea. I thought you were from California. Definitely not not a Padres fan. Definitely not an MLB fan by any means. But I will say, when I'm watching players who are younger than me, he's 22 years old, 
um, as a 22-year-old shortstop, he's, you know, hitting homers off the best Dodgers pitchers. He stole bases with ease, and, you know, he's even a little flashy. I saw on Instagram um, he had some stutter steps that went viral, so I think he's exciting to watch, and he's getting fans engaged. He's really fucking good, and the Padres are an exciting team. For sure. And I think it's fun to see them competing with the Dodgers, who are, you know, this, like, really good team and they're dominant uh, coming off a world series win so it's exciting to see you know another team you know almost like this kind of little brother in that division you know being able to come out with some wins it's keeping it very exciting yeah i love it and the next thing we're going to talk about is my guy jacob de um and um his starts on the mound for the mets this year DeGrom is making it pretty easy to call him the best pitcher in baseball. He's building a great, great resume for himself. Uh, the two-time Cy Young winner continues to one-up himself every start. Um, DeGrom struck out 15 batters without a walk en route to a two-hit shutout off the Washington Nationals in New York last Friday. The last Mets pitcher to record 15 strikeouts in a game was Al Lader in 1999. And DeGrom is such an amazing pitcher and so great to watch. It's obviously frustrating as a Mets fan when he starts and has such a dominant performance and we can't hit anything for him on the flip side. Um, It seems that we're getting a little bit of a turnaround um, in some of the recent series where he started, but um, he's definitely incredible. And, you know, if the Mets can't win with him, they're not going to be able to win in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, Carly mentioned, you know, their victory over the nationals and it was one of the best pitching performances in franchise history and what made it better um, I recently read is he also matched his opponent's hit total with two hits of his own including an RBI double so I mean it's like how does he just keep getting better yeah he's 33 right now and he's at like the top of his game and you know I'll say I don't think it's a hot take I think he's the best pitcher in baseball right now yeah for sure MVP status yeah go (laughs) that's that's her bias coming out LGM, LGM. Oh my god. We have with us today Alexa Charlie, which I worked at the NBA, and now she's a grant manager at the MLB, MLBPA Youth Development Foundation, and she's going to talk to us about her role, her background, and hopefully share some really helpful networking tips. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, we're so excited to have you, Alexa. It's so nice seeing you again. Um, just for everyone listening, I haven't seen Alexa in a while. And, you know, I got a chance to work with her at my first ever job out of college at the MBA. And she was an amazing mentor. So it's amazing to have her here today. Thank you. It's so good to see you again. It really has been way too long. <laughs> okay, so we're going to kick it off with some questions about your background. Can you just give us a description of what your day-to-day is like and what your team does um, at the Youth Development Foundation and, you know, how has that role kind of been changed because of the pandemic? Absolutely. So my role with the MLB, MLBPA Youth Development Foundation is to exactly what you said, manage grants day-to-day. So what that looks like as a coordinator, we're in this world of, um, for the Youth Development Foundation, we want to make sure, like our mission is to make sure that kids across the country have access to baseball and softball with the least amount of barriers possible. So we see so much 
you know, all these hurdles when it comes to rec leagues or, and, and this goes for any sport, right? These kids can't play because registration fees are too high. They can't play because their town doesn't have adequate fields. And we never want that to be part of the narrative. We want kids to be able to go out and play and have the best time when they are young in sports, and then hopefully carry that to middle school, high school, college even, and then of course to be a lifelong fan, right? That's the ultimate goal. We want these fans um, in these sports. We, we want the game to survive. And definitely over the past couple of years, we've seen a decline in the sports of baseball and softball. So again, digging further into that, that and understanding the data behind that and you know, okay, well, what are the factors? And that's where the foundation comes in. So kind of, you know, bringing it back to what I do. So we manage grants, we accept grants from all organizations across the country, internationally, and we vet through these grants um, to, to see what the need is. So we'll get a grant from a rec league and they'll be asking for, let's talk about field improvements, right? So their field floods every single year because they don't have proper soil. They don't have proper dirt. And they're writing to us because they went out, they fundraised, and now they need you know X amount of dollars to fulfill this project so their kids can play year round, doesn't matter about the weather and all of that. And so that's where we come in. Um, and again, like bigger things, capital projects, actually building fields, um, equipment. A lot of these places, they have great fields. They just don't have the money for equipment and their teams may be growing and they don't have enough bats. Like what an awesome problem to have, but the financial piece is so difficult. So again, we don't want that to be a barrier, right? So we manage all of these grants. We vet through all of them. We interview all of the organizations and then we bring the grants to our board. So again, our board is made up of MLB and MLBPA representatives. And we meet on a quarterly basis. We go through and we pitch these projects to the board and so they can hear the need as well. Um, and so that's, I mean, that's the day-to-day. -day. And what's really cool is I love communications. And so I was able to bring that into this role as well. The foundation is uh, right when I joined, we were rebranding. Um, so we have our building our new website, building social media presence, making sure that our grantees are distributing our logo at their ballparks and all of that. So, you know, we can really get that name recognition out there, but also for them to know that this is an investment for us too. You know, we don't want to just be seen as a check cutting foundation, you know, we're investing in them and their, and their story. Um, so yeah, kind of in a nutshell, that's, that's my day to day. That's what we aspire to do. Uh, COVID has been really interesting and changing that um, and it's actually I hate to say it it's been really beneficial for our foundation because there are so many organizations in need now because of the pandemic and you know the struggle of getting kids out or seeing okay kids can't get out what can we do to fill that gap and a lot of organizations across the country have been super creative with their digital space um, with their programming, making sure these kids still feel connected, still have a voice, still have somebody to go to is, again, a sad problem, but a wonderful problem that people know that they can come to the foundation and we are here to help, pandemic or not, <laughs> um, we are here. Yeah, absolutely. You touched on a lot of good stuff there um, and something that I've always been passionate about, you know, is um, youth sports and, you know, Sarah and I have talked about in the past how much it's shaped who we are today and, you know, um, inspired us in our sports career. So I think it's like really awesome. And, you know, you talked about like you grew up playing sports as well. Um, and like to be able to give back is, is really cool. You'll also touch a little bit on bringing your digital media skills to what you're doing now. Um, 
at the NBA, you worked specifically in digital media. Now you're working with you development at Major League Baseball and Major League Baseball Player Association. What prompted the change? How did you adjust to that? And what was the transition like? Who goes from in managing international digital products to philanthropy <laughs> um, and selling that in an interview was also quite the challenge. <laughs> so I would love to talk about that because I think that a lot of people may find themselves in that situation and wanting to make, while it wasn't a totally drastic career change and I'll, I'll talk about you know what that looked like, um, you know, just a reminder that you may wake up and say, listen, I have a passion for something, but it's totally opposite of what I do. Who's ever going to believe me that I'm the right fit? And I think it's so important because you need to look at the bigger picture, right? You need to look at your skill sets. And at the NBA, managing digital products, you know, you're a project manager. So you have all these decisions to make, all these relationships to manage, all of these expectations to meet and manage. And so you're juggling all these things as a, as a project manager, project coordinator, whatever you want to call it, right? And you have all these skills and reading a job description for something, okay, not in digital products, but in philanthropy, they're asking for all the same things. You're managing all these organizations. You're managing these grants. You have to manage expectations. If you unfortunately have to tell an organization, listen, you're not the right, you know, unfortunately we can't fund you at this time or, you know, hey, let's get those fundraising skills up a little bit more so net, so we can help you, you know, encouraging them and, and managing those expectations. And then again, managing the expectations of your board members to say, hey, we have these or foundations, but I know you were expecting us to present this organization. We're working with them. They will be in the next quarter. So, you know, being able to have those conversations, but again, um, yeah, it's a very interesting transition, um, but it it's, was such an awesome one, again, because I learned so much about myself in my career. I learned those strong skill sets. I learned where I had to be honest, listen, I haven't been in corporate corporate philanthropy, and here's where I'm going to have to grow and learn in that and bridge that gap. And again, showing whoever you're interviewing with that you're willing to put in that extra work. You're willing to take that extra step because you know, you know, I am coming from digital media, but let me tell you why I should be on your team in philanthropy. And um, the whole thing that sparked that I think dates back to why I wanted to be in sports to begin with. And so I uh, went to school for communication, sideline reporting was a really big goal of mine. And it was always because I wanted to tell the story that's not told. So you look at sports and yes, of course, it's all about the athletics and who's winning, who's losing, who's losing, who's getting traded, what, you know, who, where, where are the teams in the standings? And that's a huge story. But my thing was, I wanted to know more about the athletes. I wanted to know what got them to where they are, what makes them tick, what makes them succeed, fail, how do they learn from that? And so telling that bigger story. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I just want to touch on a few things that you said. Um, first of all, with the networking side of things, I mean, you completely reiterated, you know, what Sarah and I totally hammered down last week, which, and you made some great points. We completely agree that you never know who someone else knows. You never know if someone thinks of you for a role that they come across. It's just, and like you said, having one conversation forms a connection with someone. So, you know, don't be afraid to have the conversations. The other thing that you talked about that I think is so important too is you talked about passion. And I always say, and you know, we all know this working in sports that you can't survive in the industry if you're not passionate. 
And I wanted to talk to you a little bit. Like, I want you to speak to kind of the not so glamorous side of sports. You know, you have to be passionate because you make a lot of sacrifices. So can you talk about a little bit about, you know, some of the sacrifices you've had to make along your sports journey? Absolutely. I think sacrificing in the sports industry is a huge thing and it isn't glamorous. And, and you know, that's nothing to say anything bad about any of the sports leagues or any sports industry as a whole. Of course not. Um, and you're right. It is that passion for whatever you're doing. Um, if it's passion for sports, great. If it's passion for project management, great. Take whatever it is and remember that because sports industry or not, you're going to have those really tough days, right? So, um, but for sports, it is almost a 24-7 business, right? So you have games in the NBA that are tipping off at 10.30 at night and that game could go into double overtime. <laughs> and so my first job at the NBA, I was um, what they call a project employee. And so we were working in the digital operations center and our job was to make sure that your NBA app worked perfectly and you saw no issues at all and you could enjoy the game from tip off to the final buzzer and there'd be no hiccups right um but what that entailed was okay my day starts at four o'clock at night it starts at five o'clock at night it goes until 2 a.m it goes until 3 a.m whatever that is and the more that things grow the diff more difficult it is and again what a lovely problem to have but we had a product and you could choose from seven different streams and you got to make sure all seven are working perfectly in the first 10 seconds of that game. Um, and so, you know, having that and working weekends and working holidays and, and all of that, you, you need to know, again, that prioritizing, right? Where, okay, can I handle that and still have a work-life balance, still prioritize my family? And if you can't, then again, that's a conversation that you just have to have with yourself. And that doesn't make you a failure. That doesn't mean you're not cut out for the sports industry. And I think that's a huge thing, you know, when we look at our careers and I think there is so much sacrifice in sports. And if you, if you decide, I don't want that to be my lifestyle, that's okay. Like, <laughs> uh, we're human and we can still be passionate and still be extremely successful while still making time for our family at five o'clock at night. Um, and I think that's a very unpopular opinion in this industry, but I will always stand by that opinion. Um, and I think too, that had a lot to do with me leaving the NBA. Um, I was like physically and mentally a little bit pushed to my limits. And I saw that and I said, okay, do you, can you handle this? Can you continue? Yes, of course I can handle it, but do I want to continue? And if I want to continue in what space do I want to continue in? And I, you know, I struggled with that. I struggled with that a lot. I was leaving the NBA and I was very successful and I was walking away from a really big position. And I sat and thought to myself, okay, but I want to be empowering next generation. I want to be giving back. I want to have that community, you know, career to community touch point, right? So I th that was a huge part of it. And again, my I can have a nine to five in my current job if I want, you know, you push those hours, of course you do. Um, but, you know, again, unpopular opinion living in New York City. Oh, you have a nine to five. That's not possible. And I'm still very successful and I'm still in the sports industry and I we do great work and I can still have that balance. And again, it, it sounds weird and it sounds like, 
oh, she's not working hard enough. And just, I, I don't want anybody to ever believe that. And, you know, there are those sacrifices. And if that's the lifestyle you want, that's awesome. And I, I love that. I think my problem too, is I always think 10 steps ahead of where I am. And I think about family and I think about, you know, what my life's going to look like in 10 years. And I want to, what time do I want to be home with the kids? And so it, you know, a lot plays into that. And that doesn't mean you shouldn't start your career the first five years, 10 years out in that crazy lifestyle. Do it, of course, do it. But know that once your passion starts to fade or I don't want to say vanish because that's really harsh, but if it's starting to fade and you're not that you know, passionate, loving person for the sports industry as you were since day one, just kind of check in with yourself and evaluate that and make sure, you know, am I still doing it because I love it? Or am I still doing it because it looks really great and sounds really cool to say, I work for this major league. And that again, has a lot to do with it. It has, it brings that really cool sound, that celebrity sound that, you know, and so it's hard to put into words, ladies. It's very hard to put into words sometimes. And so, again, just just knowing that the priorities and, and how you want your life to be and knowing that you're not a failure if you decide, hey. I'm totally so relatable. No, so there, I don't know if you guys have watched Delaware's Prada as much as I have, but there's a scene in the end where Meryl Streep's character says Anne Hathaway's character you know, everyone wants this life. Everyone wants to be us. And in Hathaway's character, that's when she gets out of the car and throws the phone in the fountain. And like, that's exactly how you can just like kind of describe that feeling, you know? Yeah, that's, no. that's incredible. <laughs> that's so <laughs> right. No, yeah. that's so relatable. And you definitely touched on some of the sacrifices, but it sounds like you are enjoying it and are passionate about it. So on an on a upbeat note, what are some of the, you know, most rewarding projects you worked on um, at the Youth Development Foundation so far? Most rewarding. See, the fun answer is that they're all so rewarding. <laughs> Again, super cliche, but it, uh, just kind of going back to our mission and knowing that with every grant that we are awarding, every gift that we are giving, grant gift that we are giving, it's changing the life of one kid, 10 kids, a thousand kids, a community. Um, and that is just, it is so rewarding. And that's why it's a, this is a cheat question for me because, and I'm, and I'm sorry, but it is, and that's the, but it's also the really, really cool way to, to know, okay, there is, you know, a rewarding side, right? And I think it's tougher in some areas to find those rewards. And I think that's what really kind of keeps me going every day is, every one of these grants that are fulfilled are making a difference. And that's so, so, so cool to me. The, you know, organizations who have come to me and said, we would have, we would not have had a season if it wasn't for X, Y, and Z. Um, and that's really, really huge. I mean, we've worked on so many projects, like I've said, field construction projects, seeing a dirt field be turned into an actual baseball complex. That's so cool. Um, seeing, you know, we were working with this one organization and they, their registration was low. And then they saw this new equipment come in and now all these kids want to play on the team. That's so cool. Seeing these kids in high school put on, you know, a new uniform, a shiny new helmet and feeling, you know, so proud of that. 
um, it is, it's, it's awesome. It's the best feeling. And I'm sorry, I don't have this one epic story. Um, but collectively, they're just all super cool. Um, and I think, and another thing too, kind of not on the grant awarding side, but our process, um, I was brought in and I was asked to create this content management system and so foreign to me, but kind of a digital side, very interesting how that kind of connected. Um, but I look back at this management system, we use it every day, we're logging all of this information. And now I can spit out data about our funding and what we're doing, where things are located, how much money has been given, how many kids have been impacted. I can do it in a matter of seconds versus a year long project of what it possibly would have taken if it wasn't for this system. So on the flip side of, you know, maybe it wasn't a grant award, but being able to build that content management system for my team and to be able to use that and then to reflect on that as a foundation. That's such a good feeling and it's super cool to see. Um, and it was fun. It was a challenge and I was able to, you know, overcome that like first two months of my job. So it was, it was really cool. That's awesome. And you know what, like, so it's great that you said, you know, it's all aspects of your job that you love. And, you know, that's, that's like such a cool thing to be able to say. Um, we want to touch on one last thing with you and kind of go back to your roots and loving sports. Um, what's your favorite um, major league baseball memory? Um, so it's so funny because working at NBA never really felt right because I grew up with baseball and I didn't really grow up watching basketball. So, I, I, you know, everyone's talking about the teams and the players and all this. I'm like, yep, mm -hmm, I know everything that you're talking about. Of course I do. Um, anyway, but really baseball was always um, our sport. My dad would take me to games. We, I played t-ball as a kid my grandfather loved baseball um you know from new york so we grew up yankees fans still am um so i'll never forget we were uh derek cheater was in rehab to working as like let i don't know something he broke something and he was rehabbing with the um trenton thunder uh you know minor league team and so we didn't live far from the stadium. My dad's like, I've got tickets and Derek Jeter's playing tonight and all that. I was so, we were so excited. My sister and I were going to see Derek Jeter. Might not be at Yankee Stadium, but we're going to see him. We were so excited. So uh, one of their uh, little uh, games or something that they play during the innings, it was called Shake for Your Steak. And so us little kids are going down to the field and we have to do our best dance moves and shake our little tail feathers <laughs> for our steaks. So you get this gift card for cheese steaks in the stadium. And all I remember is shaking my little hips and I'm looking into the dugout right at Derek Cheater. And it was the greatest moment of my life. I swear we locked eyes. I liked it. That's my claim to fame. Um, is I was looking at Derek Cheater while dancing my little booty as like a six-year-old <laughs> it was amazing that's so funny I'm so happy you got to live this legendary moment that is a great if, great story I wonder, I wonder if Derek remembers this moment that's funny <laughs> he totally does of course he does <laughs> iconic for him as well oh yes <laughs> Thank you so much for being here at the Flex. It was so great to catch up. I'm so excited about your new role. I think they're so lucky to have you. Thank you. Yeah, this has been awesome. Um, thank you again for coming on. Is there a place where people can like check out what you do, like a website if people are interested to read more? 
Oh, absolutely. So hopefully new one coming soon. Um, but sorry. Okay, sorry. I thought I just lost all of you just then, but you are still here. Okay, great. Um, okay, so new website hopefully coming soon, but please, please go to mlbplayers.com forward slash YDF to learn more about the foundation. That's YDF Youth Development Foundation. Um, once the new website's up, obviously we will redirect you if you are listening and you are going to that URL and it's not there, we will forward you to the new site. Um, but super exciting if you know any organizations, if you are in a town and you know that your team is your teams are struggling, um, please direct them to this website and hopefully we'll have some social media up soon so we can show you what our grantees are doing. Again, the most exciting is when they tell us they have a ribbon cutting ceremony and they're using the field for the first time. And, um, you know, just so they know that we're always celebrating that with them. Um, and hopefully we can share that out with everybody else as well. Um, and obviously if you have more questions, I feel like I'm didn't cover half of it. Um, please obviously feel free to connect on LinkedIn um, as always. And if you have any, any questions, I love talking careers. Just again, believe in yourself, go after your passion and just have fun. Thank you so much, Alexa. You're really Absolutely. Fun. Thanks, Alexa. It was so good speaking with you ladies. to get into our topic and talk a little bit about um, the not so glamorous side of sports. You know, it can look like from the outside that sports is always so glamorous that you're on players and you're at these big events and the spotlight's on you, but behind the scenes, it can be a little bit different. So Sarah, if you want to start talking about the topic. Yeah, I think it's something to be said for you know, when you say you work for a league, and I'm sure Carly gets this too, it's, it's always, well, what players have you met and what games have you been to? And I bet you get courtside seats and I bet it's so flashy. And it's so funny to think back to working at the NBA. It was definitely not a flashy role and I definitely was not sitting courtside, um, but it was rewarding nonetheless. And there's different aspects of the not so glamorous side that Carly and I will discuss, such as um, friendships, sacrifices, hours, and even um, salary. But I want to start off with some of the people you're surrounded by. So, you know, sports is a very competitive environment. And I think that you get really close with a lot of your coworkers because you're working these odd hours and because you're working holidays. But, you know, one of the struggles that I found and Carly, I don't know if you've experienced this is because you're working at these places where everyone is competing and dying for, you know, the next step or those full-time opportunities, those promotions. It's also really hard to navigate friendships because yes, your coworkers can be your friends, but sometimes people also view it as competition. So I think finding those genuine friends in the industry was actually a struggle for me. And I did find my niche and I did find my group, but it didn't come without struggle at first. I don't know if you had that experience as well. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a great point too, to touch on how competitive the industry is um, and that, you know, the person across from you is competing for the same job, they're competing for the same promotion, you know, you're all kind of on that path to success, it can be difficult to navigate for sure. Um, and then, you know, on the flip side, if you, you do spend a lot of time with your coworkers, and, you know, but figuring out the friendships with them is difficult on the flip side, because you're working so much, it's hard to make friends and maintain friendships outside of work. And that's definitely a challenge and something that has to be prioritized. Um, I know for me, I moved to a new city for my job with the Bucks. I moved from 
New Jersey to Tampa. And because my hours are, you know, sports hours, you work late, you work weekends. It was really hard to make friends in the area because, you know, people are like, let's do happy hour. Let's hang out on the weekend. Oh, I'm working. Oh, I'm working. And at some point someone doesn't, you know, want to adjust to your schedule. And, you know, it's really difficult. Um, So you're kind of missing out on making new relationships with people. Yeah. And I mean, when you're working in sports, you know, you're going to where the job goes, obviously, because it's so competitive, you can't just be looking at your own region, you know, Carly, like, you know, lived in New Jersey, grew up in New Jersey. And now she's in Florida for this wonderful opportunity. I know it's been really fulfilling, but she didn't know anybody, you know, her family's here. And, you know, I know Carly really closely her family. And there are certain even holidays, right, that you miss out on with your family that you normally would attend. Yeah, definitely. I think being away from home has definitely been a struggle. Like, not gonna lie, like it was one of the like it's been some of the hardest times um, that I've ever experienced. You know, being away from my family, being away from all my friends, it's definitely difficult. Um, you know, and on top of it, de- dealing with a long distance relationship, you know, all of that comes into play, um, and it kind of weighs on you. And you really have to figure out your priorities. And like you said too, when I started this job, you know. I'm Jewish and we don't, you know, normally people don't get off for Jewish holidays. So I have to, you know, request and it is important to me. And I, you know, early in my time in with the Bucks, um, I asked for a holiday off and, you know, it wasn't really granted right away. And that, that kind of took me by surprise and um, was definitely a difficult thing for me to stomach. And, you know, through my time here, I, I was able to make compromises with my supervisor and figure out what worked for me while still being able to do my job and look good, if you will, um, with the organization. But it's definitely, definitely a sacrifice. And it's hard to be away from family for holidays. And, you know, and I, there's definitely the idea of FOMO, for sure, you know, like, Sarah's home with like all the girls and they're going out and getting drinks and it's it's difficult not to be a part of that yeah we definitely miss you <laughs> we have a little Carly cardboard cutout we, <laughs> um, we really do miss you um so where do you do you see yourself now going back to New York in the future how do you feel about Florida how is that adjustment so it's not I'm not making an official announcement yet but there is something in the works um that Sarah does know about but I will be coming back to New York soon. <laughs> the biggest, the biggest return home. This is bigger than LeBron James coming home. This is <laughs> Carly's name and lights coming back to, to New Jersey. We are, we're thrilled to have you back. I can't wait personally. So let me ask a question, Carly. Are you a New Jersey over, over Florida person? Can you con- oh, confirm yeah. that? Yeah, okay. for sure. I mean, like Tampa for me, it, I felt like I've been on like one long vacation <laughs> where like I just happen to work a lot it's like more like a vacation spot I mean it's beautiful like the beaches are great but I like a big city you know yeah I think you know Carly our hometown we're you know for those who are listening me and Carly are from Wayne New Jersey and you know on a good day with no traffic I can we can get to the heart of Manhattan in 40 minutes so that's been a blessing all our life to be honest yeah absolutely now Sarah you have talked about this a little bit in the past but when you worked the NBA you were working you know weird days strange hours how were you able to balance that with friendships with family events with your relationship can you talk about that a little bit yeah I think it was 
really, really challenging at the time because I started to realize my mental health was suffering a little bit. I kind of stopped working out. I was not really eating healthy. You know, when you're eating those, when you're working those late hours, I was kind of eating junk food. I wasn't really seeing anybody because when you think about it, right, the average person that you know works nine to five, um, but I started at five. So when I, you know, when people are getting off work, I'm literally starting at the league. So, and then I, you know, finished at one or 2 a.m., and that's when everyone was already sleeping. And then I didn't really have weekends free. So I wasn't really seeing my home friends, to be honest with you. I was kind of catching up with them via text or FaceTime. And so I was, you know, talking to my coworkers a lot during that time. And I will say it's kind of one of the reasons that made me want to leave sports for a little bit. I, I talked about this before, but, you know, now I'm working in the legal world and I do want to go back to sports. You really have to ask yourself if you're willing to make those sacrifices. And at that time, I was you know, suffering mental health wise a little bit. And I really wanted to see my family and friends more. I totally agree. And I think, you know, it's not mental health isn't talked about that much, but it's so like in the sports world, but it's so important. And I found that, you know, my mental health was definitely a little bit compromised. Um, and it's challenging because you love what you do, but you know, you're you, that's when priorities come into play. And I almost felt, and Carly, I don't know if you felt like this, but I almost felt like guilty for complaining about it or venting about it. And I think that other coworkers at the NBA agreed with me because from looking from the outside, everyone's like, okay, but you're working at the NBA out of college. So it's a blessing. Why are you complaining? People would kill for your position. And I know that's true. I'm not, I don't mean to sound ungrateful by any means, but it got to a point where I just didn't see my friends for like months at a time. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think you know, people, like we said, people just see the good parts. They don't see the hard parts. And, you know, if you tell them, oh, well, you know, I'm working this many hours, then they're like, wow, that's crazy. I didn't know you did that. Well, that's part of the gig. You know, that's part of the deal when you sign up for it. Um, so it's, it's difficult and you really, you have to love it. And like, we will talk about this more with Alexa later, but it's definitely, you have to remember your passion and, and sometimes passion isn't enough and it's okay. Like you, you don't need to work in sports to love the sport, you know, that that's an okay thing too. And, you know, I think something that's a really hard topic that people don't always know actually about going to the industry. And I had, and you know, without uh, sharing names, I had people who are in the sports industry now kind of talk to me about how there's people at major leagues working in roles that it's really hard to pay rent in New York city working in those roles because, you know, not all, roles when you're starting on the sports world pay a lot and you're doing it for the hope of possibly growing and let me be quite frank being promoted and growing in the sports world does take time because the turnover is not high when people get into those amazing you know vp manager roles at the nfl at the nba they're not going to leave because you know they're amazing roles and so you really need patience it takes time and it is a lot of sacrifice yeah absolutely i mean you are taking a pay cut for the other um, aspects, um, you know, the cool experiences that you do get and that kind of stuff. But you do take a pay cut, and, you know, you have to be okay with that. Um, and that's the reality of it, honestly. Yeah. And if anybody has any questions for Carly and I, you know, feel free to DM us on the Next Woman Up podcast Instagram account um, if you would like to hear about more of what it is to, you know, kind of work behind the scenes. But I would say that it is fulfilling and I definitely don't regret my time doing it. Um, 
it was my dream and it's it's definitely rewarding so looking back it's kind of exactly how I wanted my plan to go and you know when Carly started working for the Bucks I'm sure obviously probably you didn't know it would result in a Super Bowl win but here you are and it kind of seems like everything happens for reason because what better way to start your sports career yeah, exactly. You can't, And, you know, when you're in those deep, dark moments, when, you know, your mental health sucks and you feel overworked, um, you do, you know, kind of have to have a little faith in what's what you're doing and that it'll lead to something uh, good and successful and, you know, take you to the next step. Um, so and it's cliche, but you put your time in. Exactly. You know, and I, I think that's what I've, all of my mentors have told me, you have to put your time in and then in five, 10 years, hopefully you'll be at a higher level and it'll pay off and you'll have more leniency and flexibility with your schedule. So, you know, it only gets better guys. At least the good thing is knowing that the further you go in your career, obviously it only gets better. And some of things are glamorous. Like I'm not going to lie. Yeah. It can be a little bit sometimes. Little <laughs> you bit. definitely, yeah, you definitely have those moments. And I think that Carly and Josh touched upon this on our last episode. I don't know if you guys heard, but they were saying that you almost are in the moment you stop and think, oh my God, like when Carly was in the field and there's confetti, you're like, wow, my whole life, this moment, it'll be ingrained forever. So definitely is rewarding. We are so happy that you joined us. Um, We hope that you enjoyed the interview with Alexa. She said some awesome things that are definitely worth listening to. For sure. Thanks, guys. Bye.